Greetings and welcome to the Recombobulation Area. My name is Dan Schaefer. The issue of child care funding is a major one in Wisconsin, and this year it has taken on an especially partisan tone in Madison. Earlier this year, Republican legislators blocked a proposal to continue funding a program called Child Care Counts in a 2.30 a.m. vote of the state's budget writing committee. Child Care Counts is a program that has helped stabilize the child care industry during the pandemic, helped raise wages for early care educators, kept costs down for parents and families, and was recently recognized by the Wisconsin Policy Forum with an award for innovation in state government. But the federal dollars that have been funding that program are now running out, putting thousands of childcare centers at risk of closing. That 2.30 a.m. vote, however, was not the end of the story. Governor Tony Evers called a special session on workforce challenges, and the highlight of that session was more than $350 million to continue the Child Care Accounts program in Wisconsin. Oftentimes, these special sessions are met with a gavel-in, gavel-out approach from state Republicans, but this time, in the state Senate at least, the bill is being considered. Yesterday, there was a public hearing on that bill, and many child care providers, parents, and experts spoke in favor of the bill and of funding child care accounts. Among those providing testimony in that hearing was Democratic State Senator Kelda Royce, who has been among the most vocal champions of child care funding, and she joins us today. Senator Royce, welcome to the Recombobulation Area. Great to be with you, Dan. So let's start by talking about yesterday's public hearing, which you, you provided some testimony for, were in attendance for. Um, it was the first time that this really got a substantive discussion in, in the state Senate. You know, I mentioned that 2.30 a.m. vote. Uh, there was not a whole lot of back and forth on the issue in that vote, which you were also a part of because you're part of the, the Joint Finance Committee. Uh, so what, what were some of the impressions that you were left with uh, after yesterday's public hearing? Well, the first thing is that it was great that the people who rely on childcare and who provide it actually had a chance to make their voices heard, um, because that really has not happened very often in the Capitol. Certainly, we had Joint Finance Committee hearings on the entire state budget, and even though that was everything under the sun, childcare uh, was at the very, very top, along with public education, the top two issues that we heard about. So the fact that you know for the first time, really this critical issue um, that is of you know, huge import to millions of people across the state finally got its day in the Capitol. So the substance of that hearing then. So the um, you know, Republicans run run each committee. They have they have the chairs of each committee. Uh they're usually a couple for now they do. For now <laughs> they do, right? Uh they have uh, you know, so I think it was State Senator Dan Fan from Fond du Lac. Uh, he was the chair of the committee. Um, and so basically they opened up for a lot of public comments. And and like I mentioned, you know, I think it was about what it was about a three hour public hearing. Um, I, I missed the very beginning of it, but I, I was able to watch at least all of the second half uh, of the hearing. You know, it was a lot of child care providers and parents uh, talking about the issue, speaking in favor of it was met with a little bit of resistance, uh, to say the least, from, I think, most notably, State Senator Dan Canodal. What, what what were some of the things that he said, and what was your reaction to that? Well, he made some extremely retrograde comments that I think show how out of touch he and other Republican politicians are with the reality of people's lives. Um, you know, 
he accused me of uh, devaluing the work that his 93 year old mother did in raising her eight children um, because I was advocating for childcare. He made it very clear that um, his expectation is that people who have kids need to just stay home and be out of the workforce while they're raising their children. Uh, and, and that, um, you know, childcare workers are a poor substitute for parents. And, um, you know, as a parent with three small children, I got to tell you, I mean, I think the care my kids receive at their daycare is incredible and it makes them better, you know, better learners, better humans, and it makes me a better parent. And so, um, you know, he's he's just wrong on the data and the research about child care because we know it's great for parents. He's also just wrong on the economics. For the vast majority of my constituents and his, having a parent out of the workforce is not an option. People need two incomes in this economy to make ends meet, much less to thrive and live a middle class life. Yeah, I think you mentioned it, but his comments are, you know, just really coming from a different era. And I think, you know, it's so many millennial parents now have both parents in the workforce. Uh, And and I think for a lot of people, it's not really a choice. You know, (laughs) you know, you you need two incomes uh, for for most families these days. And I think, uh, you know, to to reduce it to saying, you know, parents don't care about their kids or don't or don't. I, I, you know, I, I'm struggling to grasp the the logic that he was trying to present uh, in that hearing, but it really just seemed like what he was saying was that parents should, and particularly, let's be real, it's women. He's talking about women <laughs> that uh, we want to stay home <laughs> should stay be staying home with their kids, and that's just not the reality of where we are in 2023. Right. And the, a point I tried to make is, you know, we do virtually nothing in this country to help support young children and families. We have no guaranteed paid family leave. Um, we don't subsidize childcare to any significant extent. Um, we're, you're basically on your own during the hardest and most expensive and most isolating years of taking care of kids. And by the way, that's also when 90% of brain development happens, birth to five. So, you know, the idea that that's just a private concern and um, there's no societal uh, benefit to investing in those early years, that's crazy. You know, we we understand that parents can't be responsible for paying for and arranging their own kids' education. All of us benefit from having an educated society and educated workforce, and that's why we created the public education system. So that doesn't matter whether your parents have money or not, or what zip code you grew up in, you should have access to a great public education. That's why we have public higher ed. We need to have that same realization for early childhood education. Those years are the most important um, in terms of your brain development. We could prevent so many other problems uh, later on. We know that kids that get early childhood education, they graduate from high school at a much higher rate. They go on to earn college degrees and earn money. Um, you know, at a, at a higher rate, it's the, the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. I'm not aware of any data that says investing in our youngest Wisconsinites is a bad thing, right? It's, you know, it's not, there's no evidence to suggest that this is, (laughs) uh, just throwing money away. Like, uh, you know, we always hear Republicans talk about how, um, you know, let's not throw money at the problem and whatever, but this right. child care counts program has produced demonstrable results. Like it's not like this is some 
failing one-time program. This is a program that has shown that it can stabilize the industry. There was about a 15-year trend of childcare centers closing in Wisconsin that more or less mm-hmm. ended uh, with this childcare accounts funding. Uh, wages, average wages for early care educators went from you know less than $11 an hour to close to $14 an hour. That's a significant percentage jump, you know, for for the first time, uh, helping right. people stay in the field in a field that they are having a lot of challenges attracting people uh, to remain in. And it's helping a lot of these centers stay open. And we have, you know, and I think you mentioned this and others mentioned this in the in the hearing. You know, most of the state is in a child care desert. Can you right. talk about that issue? Yeah. So, uh, you know, child care desert um, doesn't just mean, oh, it's hard to find child care. It means that for every single slot of child care, there are three kids who need it. So this is like a Hunger Games uh, situation, trying to get your kid into child care. Ten years ago, when I had my first daughter, I got on the waiting list two years before I got pregnant in order to make sure I had an infant slot. And it was, you know, (laughs) I needed to. And that was 10 years ago. It's even worse today. And half of the state is currently in a child care desert, even with child care counts funding. In rural areas, that's even higher. It's 70% is a child care desert. So um, child care counts is the absolute bare minimum that we have to do to stave off the collapse of our child care industry. I don't want to make it seem like it, child care counts is going to solve all of our problems or it's you know the long-term solution. It is not. It is simply the bare minimum price of admission for having an economy and stabilizing the current childcare industry. So we don't face more closures. You know, we've lost more than half of our providers since 2007. And that was before, basically before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not like know, it was a really super easy time for anyone in the childcare right. during the <laughs> pandemic either, you know? Right. Um, okay. So we had the public hearing yesterday, um, you know, a, a number of people, so much passionate testimony, you know, really, emotional testimony in a lot of moments. Um, And, you know, it did seem like some of that fell on deaf ears, particularly with folks like uh, State Senator Dan Canodal. But what happens next now? So they had the public hearing. What happens next in this process? Well, the next uh, step would be having a vote in the committee. So holding an executive session and voting on the bill or potentially offering amendments. Um, I'm hopeful that this bill will get voted on in the committee, um, there's no guarantee. And certainly, you know, it it was a shock that we even got a public hearing. And my concern is that they're just going to basically hollow out the bill, cut all the funding, take out stuff and say, oh, well, we're passing this, you know, piece, even though it's just a husk of what it used to be. And so we're not going to do the the money that's needed for child care accounts. We're going to do some tiny percentage of that. We're going to say we you know, should get a pat on the back. And, um, you know, it remains to be seen. But I, I do think that people hearing from their constituents has made a difference on this issue. I think Republicans know that they're really vulnerable on this. And especially after yesterday, with the, you know, offensive comments that their party members made um, to the women who were really testifying, you know, about the, losing their careers, um, needing more support as parents and losing their businesses because of the loss of childcare counts. Um, that's powerful testimony and it's a political loser for Republicans to be on the other side of that. So I think they know they have to do something. 
Yeah, I you know the political co- component is one I I mentioned in a column that I wrote you know a few weeks ago, but I think that you know since the overturn of Roe v. Wade, a Republican kind of last year in you know during the gubernatorial campaign signaled that oh we're gonna be open to more you know some of these family friendly types of policies. I think Tim Michaels uh, even talked about you know wanting to propose some sort of paid family leave type of program or whatever. That has all of course since been abandoned uh since the since naturally. the campaign since the election naturally of <laughs> course. Uh but I think Yeah, I think know, Donald Trump said he was going to do that too. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it, they all, they all say these things and then we'll we'll never of course uh follow through on them, but I think, you know, you you think about, you know, millennial generation, millenn- women in particular, there's this huge gender gap in politics in Wisconsin. Obviously, the it, women dominated the 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 you know the testimony in the public hearing yesterday. You know, right. Republicans have talked about wanting to win back some of the suburban women voters that they've lost, you know, over the past decade and in, in the Trump years and all that. I think this is an issue that they're just completely off base on, and I think this is an actually an issue that people should be wanting to come together to find solutions on. You're you're right. I mean, you're not going to win women. Um, by banning abortion and defunding childcare, <laughs> um, you know, there's there's really no tax cut in the world that's going to make up for the fact that you can't get your kid into childcare or, um, you know, you can't plan your family. So, uh, you know, I, I actually think there are political reasons that it's important Republicans get on board. But, you know, if you even pretend to care about the economy, the em- employers are the ones who are also really going to suffer. And, you know, you think we have a workforce shortage now? How's that going to be a year or two from now when all these childcare facilities have shuttered, 87,000 kids have lost their care, and that's going to take 50, 60,000 parents out of the workforce? How, how's that going to be for, for our employers? And, and if Republicans say they care about our economy, they must fund childcare counts fully. Yeah, that's another big part of it, too. And obviously, Evers, you know, made this special session, put it in kind of under the umbrella of workforce challenges. Right. And so yeah, child- it wasn't even just a child care bill. Right. There were other right. really, really good pieces. And but child care just dominated. Right. So but that's I think it just goes to show how important it is of an issue within within the context of, of workforce. Right. You know, we have the unemployment rate in the state of Wisconsin right now is under three percent, you know, and, and the the. Um, labor force participation rate is, has continued to rise. And I, I do wonder if, you know, you know, this, this funding is essentially going to expire at the end of this year. And so you have to wonder if, if that, if those numbers are going to go sideways again, if people are forced to make the decision of whether to remain in their jobs or to care for their children, which ultimately isn't really a decision, right? So, right. You know, it, I don't know. Maybe you can expand on that that aspect of it too. I mean, you you obviously are are involved in a, you know being in the budget writing committee and all these different things and a lot of these conversations. Yeah, I think you know Republicans can put their head in the sand for so long, but ultimately this is going to have a hugely significant impact on our economy. Um, when you think about the impact on employers of losing those workers and then having to try and hire in an even more scarce situation and, and the cost of retraining. Um, when you think about, you know, the small businesses that are just going to have to close, uh, cut hours, you know, lay, 
lay all those people off um, when they just can't function anymore. And then you think about individual families, what that means for someone. It is so hard when you take time off to care for a child to get back in without taking a really significant hit um, in terms of your career progression and your income to say nothing of like just your contributions to your retirement account or social security or, you know, um, other obligations. And you think about what that's going to mean for families, economic security uh, to have had two incomes and then realize you can't, you, you can't afford that anymore, or there's no slots for you. And all of a sudden, um, you know, your whole economic path, your ability to make ends meet is is just gone. Um, and I think it's going to cause us to lose even more young people. They're going to say, we can't stay in Wisconsin because they're, you know, we can't live in a place where there's no child care and we can't both be working. Yeah, it, we're seeing other states make investments where Wisconsin isn't. You know, I think right. the Minnesota comparison has been a been an easy one, but it's it's an important one, I think, too, because, you know, they put in what something like seven hundred million dollars towards child care and early care, uh, right. early education. You know, it's it's a glaring difference between the two states. Yeah. And what we're doing. Not to mention family leave, not to mention the investments they're making in K-12 and higher ed, not to mention abortion is protected there. I mean, Minnesota, we share a long border with them. Like, it's not hard to go there. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, you know, this this is going to be a challenge in terms of retra- retaining people in our state. Yeah, it's a, you know, a similar state and a lot of a similar population, similar demographics, you know, but they're going in going in very different directions on this issue. Um, so it, the, the Republicans in the state assembly also introduced uh, a package of bills on child care. Um, yeah, I, I haven't seen if that has made its way into the state Senate. It seems like Republicans in, in the state Senate and state assembly aren't always on the same page these days. Um, but but what's the status of those and, and what's your uh, what's your take on, you know, what they've proposed uh, in that series of bills? Yeah, I mean, I think the Republican uh, answer to child care, as it were, just shows that they don't get the problem. Um, probably, you know, one is to reduce the age that you can work in a daycare unsupervised from um, 18 to 16. So rolling back child labor, you know. I love my kids and I'm happy to have a neighbor kid come over and, you know, help me put them to bed or something or watch them for an hour on Saturday while I rake leaves. But I don't want to leave my two-year-old in the care of a 16-year-old, you know, for a whole day without, um, you know, supervision. The other thing that they want to do is deregulate childcare facilities um, and change the ratios and so that more children could be watched by one adult. And again, I mean, I think that is obviously a health and safety issue. You know, there is a limit to how many kids you can take care of and take care of safely. And if, you know, if the challenge we have is staffing, and that is by and large the challenge, we just don't have the bodies. We've got empty classrooms that they can't hire childcare providers for. And so we have slots that can't be filled. Um, if that's the problem, changing the ratio is going to make that even worse. Uh, because if you're not, if you can't find somebody to take care of six two-year-olds for $14 an hour, 
you're not going to be able to find somebody to take care of eight two-year-olds at $14 an hour. You know, you've just made the job worse. Um, and you've made, you know, the decision for parents harder because they think, oh my gosh, it's going to be chaos. You know, my, how are they going to be able to safely care for my child? Mm-hmm. So we just got a couple of minutes here to wrap up, but so, so what do you expect happens next with these bills with, with both, you know, the Republican package with, with the governor's bill, um, you know, what's, what's the path forward here? Well, I, you know, I, the assembly, I think may well try to vote on some of those childcare bills. They're going to be vetoed. I mean, the governor is not going to go for things that make kids less safe mm-hmm. in, in childcare and in, in school settings. Um, I, I do think that there is an opening here for the Republicans to say, okay, well, we didn't want to fund it in the budget, but we do see that if we don't fund childcare accounts, there will be a huge economic crisis and the industry will collapse. And so we've got to do something. Um, I'm never optimistic when it comes to my colleagues on the other side of the aisle. I, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a little bit of just like, you've got to show me that you yep. mean it. Yeah. Um, but, but I do think it's really important that we keep the pressure up and do everything we can because when childcare facility closes, when we lose a teacher from the industry, we don't get those people back. We don't get those businesses back. This is an urgent problem. And so I'm going to leave it all on the field. I mean, we have to do everything we can to tell these Republicans what will happen if they're in action and scare them into doing the right thing for once. Well, I appreciate your your advocacy on this issue and, and appreciate you taking the time to sit and talk with us about this today. Uh, Likewise. Thank you so much for, <laughs> for joining us in the recombobulation area. Take care, Dan. Thank you.